Hi, I'm Ralph Dinsley, known as Dins. I'm the uh, executive director and founder of Northern Spaces Security, and I listen to the Cold Star Project. This show is for entertainment purposes only and is not intended to be what is termed professional advice. The Cold Star Project is proudly presented by the Operational Excellence Society. Cold Star Tech is a supporter of the OPEX Society, and Jason Gannigan is a member of its board of advisors. Talk with us at Cold Star Tech to find out more about the OPEX Society and what we can achieve together in your organization, or just visit opexsociety.org. Thanks for joining us for today's show. Welcome back to the Cold Star Project, and we're returning with Dr. Yan Song, a highly appreciated cultural expert and a senior executive at a major Fortune 500 firm. So, Dr. Song, as he's so fond of uh, reminding us, is a scientist, and he has that uh, rationalist point of view. And so, it is really fun to go through what we are looking at in this series, which is how to operationalize cultural development. And this means heading towards operational excellence, getting your people to think for themselves and create for themselves, co-create, and uh, the results are just incredible. And this is hard work, perhaps the hardest work uh, I mentioned in here in our discussion today, uh, and probably before, that I've been studying this stuff for years, and I am well behind <laughs> Dr. Song. It is a real pleasure for me to talk about these uh, questions and issues and, and uh, this subject with him, because it's an incredible learning opportunity. So listen up. Uh, we're going to get into step four, which is transform the culture, and then... Uh, if you have questions about this, please email me, jason at goldstartech.com, or message me on LinkedIn. And uh, we're looking at doing a follow-up episode uh, Q&A. So, Dr. Song, welcome. And uh, i got to say, the upcoming slides are complicated. <laughs> they don't just look complicated, they are complicated. And Yan and I were just talking about this before uh, the episode. Um I am going to let him take us through the material as a jungle guide. This is step four. And really encourage you to, uh, to take notes, write down your questions, and please send them to me. Uh, message me on LinkedIn with them. Email me at jason at coldstartech.com. Uh, Yan and I are thinking about doing, if there's enough interest, a follow-up episode. I know even more, right? But where, where we answer your questions, and at least uh, if you write them down, then we have a chance to look at them and answer them. But also, if you're free uh, sometime during the day, let me know, and maybe you can come on Zoom with us. I'll repeat this offer again at the end, hopefully, if I remember. Uh, and you can ask your question live and get your answer uh, from Yan live, and maybe I'll be able to chirp in with a little bit of data there. Um, speaking of which, I need to let you share screens, which I have now. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, thanks for being here again. I know this is like, folks, we could be paying Yam $500 an hour for this information. <laughs> and he'd already have made a couple thousand bucks and, and it'd be worth it, you know? Um, nobody's studying, very few people are studying uh, cultural development the way that Dr. Song is. Uh, and I, I look around out there, you know, I got two courses up on the other screen here about systems thinking that I got to go through, I want to go through. <laughs> and uh, I, I have a lot to learn, right? And I, I'm, you know, hands off the chart here. And <laughs> bottom of the understanding. So let's get into this. Um, we've gone through the first three stages of, uh, of operationalizing cultural development, which is a really cool concept of how can we 
get uh, uh, an improvement of culture built right into the day-to-day -day activities of our people uh, with the goal of achieving operational excellence. And today, uh, you know, we've moved into the new territory. We've kind of assessed the situation, seen all that bubbling uh, lava coming out, you know, yeah, goopy yeah. stuff coming out of the, the salt mine there, whatever that, that uh, crystal thing. And there's an image that'll stick with me, even if I can't remember exactly the name of what it's called, um, but I could picture it. And, and now, um, now that we're moving into the new territory, uh, bravely, knowing that, hey, it's not easy, there's going to be frustrations and feelings, you know, and we got to figure this stuff out. What do we do next? What is step four? Yeah, so, so thanks, Jason. It's uh, been delightful to have this conversation with you, right? So uh, today we are supposed to be finishing up step four, right? The final step. But you, as you probably already see this, right? This is the, really the beginning of a journey, right? So this is the final step, but also it's the first step of the journey. So what I'm trying to do um, in this final step, quote, quote, final step is to show you the whole picture, right? So, so far we've been trying to take our audience one step at a time, right? So let's get into it. So um, since this is supposed to be our last session, <laughs> so I want to take a little bit even deeper dive to show you the whole journey, you know, see how all those different pieces working together. So um, just to set the right expectation, you know, there, no one, you know, knows this, you know, from the start, right? So, so don't feel like, you know, somehow um, uh, depressed that, right. that, that you can't do this, all the thing that nobody did could do this. I couldn't do this, you know, 15 years ago. So I, I made my share of mistakes and blunders and, uh, and scars, right? So, um, so, so I, you know, the purpose of I'm doing this is to try to share my experiences of learning so that you may have an easier time. You know, it's not going to be easy, but, you know, as we said in previous sessions, you know, instead of taking 15 years, maybe this could take 15 months for you, right? That would be a huge out of magnitude improvement from what I, my experience has been. So that's the context, uh, I would say the mindset you should have when you uh, listen to this and, and look at the material, right? Um, yes, yeah, at, the, at all that you will feel overwhelmed, but like, like we all feel about life at a certain point, right? So, so that's that's sort of my why I want to premise um, this 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 session on that. Um, okay, so let me share. Um, so I want to start with this uh, particular uh, slide that we showed uh, last session, right? So, you know, I I just quickly run through this, right, in terms of the, the, the development stages that, that Professor Bob Keegan has laid out, right? And there's a particular detail I didn't go into, but I want to point this out to you as the, sort of the prelude of what we're going to talk about today. Did you notice those development stages is not a straight line, mm. right? 
it is kind of like a stages, right? Curves. So, and there is reason this because development is not a straight line. It's not a quote unquote higher and the better thing. That's a myth. It very much depends on the environment, the life conditions you are in, and you developed as you grow up. Mm. And typically, you will be stalled at a particular stage and stay there until things accumulate and life becomes so painful, unbearable, then you start another climb, right? Mm. So nobody is, you know, say, oh, today, you know, I just get a chunk of spare time. Let me climb that curve. <laughs> nobody does that. If you have spare time, you go play golf, okay? You, you, you do whatever your favorite thing, you know, cooking. You don't do human development. You don't do cultural development. Cultural development only happens, this is another insight from Professor Bob Keegan, right? Through he, what he called optimal conflict. Yeah, so let me move this picture away a little bit so that you can see the words here. Um, oh yeah, oh, they it's can on see the, it. It's on the, on the next slide, yeah. so, so never mind. Um, so it is hard, right? So people don't do development because they find it attractive and sexy. No, that's not what happens. People do development when they are forced to, because it was this thing is so difficult, whether they are doing difficult job that they couldn't get it done, or they're dealing with some really challenging relationships, right? Mm -hmm. The marriage is breaking up, you know, whatever. So that kind of what Bob Keegan called optimal conflict, that means, it's kind of life death type of situation. That's when you develop. That's when you yeah. actually evolve to the next stages. Okay. So Jason and I just, you know, uh, chatted a little bit about the spiral dynamics, right? Yeah. How he listened to lectures over months, those things. That's better than just reading a book and say, ah, I got it now. Mm. Right. But still, that's just still listening. Yeah. So that's still not true development. You don't develop like that until you get to this life death situation and struggle with it. Hmm. So for listeners out there, right? Um, the material I'm going to tell you, you need to take it in that context, right? So don't expect you will absorb it all I know it all, right? So this, once again, what I want to do is show you the sort of the landscape of the whole journey. And then it's up to you, right? When and how, if you take the journey. So that's the premise I wanted to uh, throw. Okay, and, it, and people start. should be watching or listening to this again. Um, you know, there is there is kind of a spiral uh, knowledge or understanding, you know, you come up and you run into the same idea again. I listen to my own sales training. <laughs> Every six months or a year, I go back and listen to my own sales training programs that I made in like 2013 to start with, yeah. right? Yeah. Because 
I need ongoing reinforcement. I forget. I forget techniques. I don't use them. I forget them, right? And then I listen to it again and I'm like, oh yeah, right. And then I can go out and use it. Uh, So same thing here. You know, I I want you to come back three months, six months from now and listen to this again. And talk to your, you know, uh, co-conspirators, I call it, right? Mm -hmm. So this, this stuff is not what you talk about at Thanksgiving time with your family, you know? So this is just, it's just too too thick, too yeah. heavy, or too painful to talk about, right? Like I said, if you have free time, you know, play golf, you know, <laughs> having nice dinner, uh, this is this is not uh, what you would you would do at, at that those times. Um, okay. Having said that, though, where I want to say is that the reason that we're doing this at all is because I see signs that. You know, we as a people here in United States, and really as a species, is in what I would call the eye of a perfect storm. You see, you know, as I just mentioned before, you don't do this kind of a development, right? Go to the next stage until you're desperate. And I think as a culture, as a whole, we are close to that situation of desperation. And I'll explain to you why I think that way. So that is one of the motivations for me to actually, you know, be interested in doing this uh, type of um, um, sessions, right? Because I think we need this as a people in order to move forward as a species versus, you know, sort of start bickering and, and, and sort of, you know, going internal and almost like having a divorce within ourselves. And, and I see a lot of the sign that's actually started happening more and more. And, and usually, and since I'm a scientist, that's simply nature's way telling us saying, hey, kiddo, you need to move up a stage, right? What you have here is too stagnant. And that's why you start saying infighting, all those things. There's no real solution to those infighting. There's no amount of justice to do that, to resolve that. You have to move on to the next plateau, right? So Albert Einstein famously said, right? You can never solve the problem at the same level of thinking which created the problem in the first place. And I think we are very close to that stage. And by the way, this has happened several times in history, which is part of the material I'm showing you today, right? We can learn from those history. Mm. So at a certain point, we just have to tell ourselves, look guys, we need to pick up our things and move on instead of fighting to hold on to those things that 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 that, that we you know historically is you know has helped us. So I think we are very close to that stage. Okay, so there it is. I'm gonna bring up this mammoth <laughs> you know image again, right? So we started with this image. 
I, I you know, a very much um, uh, a very rich image. So this is why I like this, right? So if you look at the world stage today, right? What do we say? Globally, nationally, I don't think anybody dispute that we have a serious political polarization in this country and worldwide, okay? And there's a big surge of populism authoritarianism. And there's no question, both in this country and, and globally, right? And we, we, we hear this, watch this on TV every day. There's the economic inequality is worsening, right? And there's just horrific scientific literacy. I mean, imagine, you know, people deal with COVID-19 the way that, you know, people back in the middle ages, you know, deal with pandemics. And this is after, you know, two, 300 years of scientific progress. We're regressing here. There's no question. So those are signs to me that we have reached a point where we really needed to refresh ourselves versus just try to, you know, reinforce the, the moral code or whatever we, 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 we have today and, and hope to solve that problem. Because like I said, if you learn from history and, you know, from wisdom like Albert Einstein, those things, those are just signs that, that, that nature is telling us, hey, kiddo, move on. Yeah. So, and, and you look inside organizations, right, operations, since we talk about operational excellence here, there's widespread employee dis disengagement. And there's, you know, Gallup surveys, you know, there's, there's certainly more than half of employee are disengaged in, in, in majority of companies. So they, their mind is one somewhere else. And we mentioned this, I, you know, observation in positive psychology called learned helplessness. It's just pandemic, you know. I once led a, you know, a program try to revamp a, a customer relationship management uh, situation for our organization, right? So I went there to spend six months with, you know, group of managers, directors, and yeah, it, those people, I would say 90% of them just totally give up hope. And, and, and that's a symptom of learned helplessness. Yeah, everything you tell me I've tried before, it didn't work. So, so there's a serious challenge there. And talent drains, mm -hmm. you know, we, we simply don't have, you know, enough talents who are capable of skating this level of challenges, right? That's why you get so many people who feel helplessness. Why? They, they simply are not well equipped enough to, to deal with it. And, and where do you find this talent? I mean, it's very, very difficult. So we have a talent drain. And increasingly, how we deal with it? I mean, people deal with it with measures, like I said, reinforcing what has worked in the past, which borderline on the political correctness, okay? So 
And you know, I, I'm not saying that is entirely nonsense, but as a whole, it's just inadequate to deal with the challenges that we're facing, right? Look at left again, you know, the image I put out, right? If you are lying at the foot of this mountain of lava, okay? And, and you're so far away from the mouth, you know, the, the source of life, no amount of a demolition, right? Reconstruction at the foot will ever get you to the source of life. So, so we need to do something different. That's my point. And interestingly, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. actually put his finger on the source of a problem more than 40 years ago. So this is from the last book he, he wrote. I think it's titled something like, where do we go now? Yeah, so, so at, you know, after all the civil right movement, you know, all the things that Dr. Ting has done, at that point, I think this was like a couple of years before he was assassinated, right? He was wondering aloud in his own mind, where do we go now? So this is what I'm saying, right? If people think we can solve our problem by political correctness, Dr. Martin, King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. didn't think so. So, you know, I put a quote here. I think he put his finger on the key of the problem, even though, you know, he didn't leave long enough to formulate the solution. Right, and let's read it aloud because we have some listeners who don't watch the video. Yeah, so why don't you read it? Uh, it says, power without love is reckless and abusive and love without power is sentimental and anemic. It is precisely this collision of immoral power and powerless morality uh, which constitutes the major crisis of our time. Uh, and that, you know, King was assassinated in 1968. So this is the middle 60s that he put this out. Yeah. So what, what, what that evoke from you, Jason, let me ask you. <laughs> well, we, we have to Does have that... good, good leaders, right? Um, and number one, you know, do your best to find good leaders, but they're going to be rare. Uh, and yeah, you know, average people, people are average, right? Half of people are below average at whatever they do, as a friend of mine consistently <laughs> says. The other thing that I've seen too is that when you uh, up level, um, problems don't get solved, they dissolve, they kind of just disappear. Um, that, that is something that we might see here. Uh, if you're if you're broke and struggling, every little fee and uh, renewable uh, service charge or something like that is potentially a disaster. Uh, and then you get hit with more service fees or something like that for being bad, you know, in the banking industry's eyes. Um, and then um, you know maybe somebody comes along and and pays you a, a good chunk of money, and suddenly you just pay those those little debts and problems in that, right? And the problem dissolves. So I'm curious to see how that will appear um, in this format. Yeah, so, you know, Albert Einstein put it more elegantly, mm -hmm. <laughs> you sure. know, naturally, you know, Jason is not quite an Einstein <laughs> yet. So he basically said 80% of the problem, right, 
we have is how to define the problem. Mm -hmm. So if, if you define the problem properly, you've solved 80% already. So that's simply another way of saying what you just said, Jason, right? Problems just dissolve by themselves. If you see the problem from the right context. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay. If you're worrying about all these little fees and surcharges and things like that, rather than how do I get the right level of revenue <laughs> to make that go away, right? What's your eye on? Yeah. The same thing is happening. The same behavior or results or whatever are happening, right? Or, or uh, biological, <laughs> you know, activities are happening, but uh, the, the, your eye is on a different thing. Yeah. And from this image we have on the screen, right? So if you're hoping to hack your way to the mouth of spring, mm -hmm. right? By removing all those things before you can take the next step, you'll be doing that forever. Mm -hmm. So it's better to pick up your gears and move on. A lot of times it's like that. So mm -hmm. once you see the problem from a new height, a new angle, that problem sometimes doesn't exist at all. So why should you bother with that boulder, right? Mm. When you can get to the source of life without demolishing it. What's, what's the point of spending all your energy demolishing that boulder? So keep that in mind as we move on. So what I, what, what this, you know, uh, uh, Dr. King's, inside invoked to me is that, you know what? Instead of waiting for another leader like a Dr. King, which would be wonderful, yeah. I think we should also try to find those qualities, leadership or whatever you call it in ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. so, so what I'm gonna tell you is from a scientific perspective, I believe we all have it. Mm. We all have in ourselves to a larger or, or smaller de you know, degree. And we can all start mining this gold, I call it. Yeah, miracle can happen. Mm. I believe it can happen. And, 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 and anyway, what do we have to lose? Right. <laughs> you know, instead of go with the wind, you know, let's take a shot at it. So that's my attitude, all right? So, so what I'm gonna show you is really a tool that you can mine this gold in yourself and in others. So once again, you know, I call this ecology of power and love. That means it's, it's a science. The science doesn't know it's Jason or it's Yan. It's male, female, you know, it's a Chinese, it's American, it's, it's, it's you know, it, it's Englishman. It doesn't care, okay? So uh, if you're a human being, you should be able to leverage this tool to mine the gold for yourself. Meaning you should be able to diagnose and heal, right? Bring your power and love closer to alignment. You see, align share our problems, especially our most serious problem, 
is just as Dr. King said, it's because power and love became alienated. Hmm. So a lot of time people focus on only one, right? I just want more love. Or they say, I want more power. But until the two bring together, that's the social problem. Sometimes by asking for more power or more love, you actually aspirate the problem. Hmm. And I look at a lot of things that's going on today. It's that tendency. So what I'm trying to do here is to show you what I call the ecology of power love, meaning how power love together, how do we live together? It's not a one time and down thing. It's not a one off thing, right? It's got a life of its own. It's got the integrity of, of, of its own. So you've got to take care of that. It's like a marriage, okay? You've got to take care of that. Whichever stage of marriage you are in, Otherwise, you don't have a marriage, and and then you'll be miserable. So, let's let's see how this uh, this works. Okay. So it's going to sound a little bit like a, a creation story. Okay, mm. <laughs> because we are talking about creativity and creation here. Okay, there's no question, um, and, and probably at a pretty high level, um, meaning critical level of creativity. So we said, right, we spent the previous, you know, sessions, we dialogue about mental models, right? And how critical this mental model is. And, you know, there's some basic values some basic assumptions, right? So here, I'm just reformulate a little bit, okay? In order to crystallize, you know, what's the absolute essence of this, right? So this, by the way, this is what science is, right? It, it tried to crystallize things like, you, you, might, you know, you think about Newton's law, right? There's a lot of phenomena, there's a lot of things going on, but how could you minimize it so that you can put your hands on it, right? Because it's difficult to put your hands on 10,000 things. So it's better 10, better still two. So this is my way of crystallizing this to a minimal form so that it can become a science and become manageable, right? So my representation of the mental model is power and love, okay? so. As we get into the content of this, you will get a better feel for this. So don't worry, just stay with, with, with me here. And as we said, right, this mandal has real consequences. So we design our actions in order to operate the way that our, our mandal mandate this. And it has direct impact on results, outcomes, right? If you're in business, this is you're talking about operational results, operational outcome here, okay? And we also said, right, remember Bob Keegan's curve, right? There's distinct set of mental models 
and behaviors and operating outcomes that you can achieve, right? So there's distinct patterns. Here, I call it consciousness, order of consciousness, right? So it simply means, because mental model is the thing that we have in our heads, right? What is that? That's consciousness. And these are not just random thought. It actually has integrity to it. There's a structure. It's operating. So there's order. There's organizing principles dictating which mental model you have. And we're gonna talk about where does that come from? Where is that going, right? That simply give you a way of navigating through this, whether for yourself, for your team, right? For your organization, for the human race as a whole, it's the same. This is what science is. Okay, so now let me unfold the story for you. You're going to sound a little like a creation story, okay? So don't get freaked out about it. So uh, this is still science. So I'll say, like, you know, we say, you know, at the beginning, God created human beings. Guess what? We have, you know, right from the time we were born, we have a strong survival instinct, right? We kick and screaming if we're hungry and, you know, diaper need to be changed or whatever discomfort we have, right? So at that moment, if we're conscious at all, what is our deepest desire? Our desire is to survive, right? This is deeply wired in us. So, you know, if you're an infant, just newborn, you may not be conscious of this, but nature already wired this in you. Otherwise, you would never have a chance to survive. And later on, even when you gain some consciousness, you're not out of this. You still try to survive. And what is the tool you have to survive? It's instinct, right? If I feel cold, I need to do something that to, to, to keep me warm. If I'm hungry, I'm in the screams so my mother could feel, you know, feed me, whatever that, that instinct you have. And, and this is not just infant. Adults, you see this all the time, right? Whenever people react, act with impulses, they are really, really acting out of this set of mental model, operating system, right? They are reacting moment by moment for what? To survive, right? To do whatever they think is more advantageous to them. So you see this behavior all the time. And there's serious consequences, right? You get the result from this. And anyone think that this is not a serious business, you try to go on vacation and leave the two teenagers at home for two or three weeks and see what you find when you come back. Or if you're a business owner, 
take hiatus, you know, <laughs> before you build your organization so that there's a higher level of consciousness to actually operating and just take it off and see what you will find when you come back in two to three weeks. There's serious consequences. Okay. So anthropologists, right, have studied this phenomenon and for tens of thousands of years, right, until really, you know, before agriculture became uh, widespread. Yeah, human beings lived pretty much in this state of consciousness, you know, hand to mouth, I call it, right? So they cannot worry about what is my 401k, right, when I retire. What they worry is about next meal and most next day. That's the sort of the horizon they look at, and they had to. So this is not about, you know, looking at this and look down at them, right? Just like we don't look down at our own children when they were young. We should not look down to our ancestors who lived this tremendously hard life in order actually to sustain the bloodline of life. And so that you and I can talk about this today. So this is not about looking down. This, this is about recognizing where we came from and what we still are even today. Because if we ignore this reality, then we enter into political correctness, I call it. And then we will not solve the problem, we only make the problem worse. Okay, so that's the first operating system I wanted to start with, right? So there's no denying here, folks. We all start from here. Unless you were born with full head of hair, <laughs> you know, full intelligence, you know, I, I, I know I did, I wasn't born like that. Okay, so I start from here. Okay, we all start from here, but we don't stay here, right? So that's what is, what you know, Albert Einstein called called miraculous, hmm. right? Something happened that we moved on. And the first thing that happened is that people started wanting security beyond the day-to-day, hour-by-hour survival, right? I want some assurance that I'm going to have enough food to eat next day, next week, next month, next year for the rest of my life, right? Nowadays, I want the 401k so that I can live you know, a comfortable life after I retire. That's security. That's fundamentally different from day-to-day survival. And who would argue that security is not desirable? So that's why it represents next level of our love, I call it. This is something we deeply desire. 
And how do we achieve that? Through better organization. And if you look at how not just humans, but animal kingdom, right? How they evolved from this kind of a day-to-day -day affair. They develop very elaborate social hierarchies, right? Authority in order to basically organize themselves better, right? Yeah, birds because, have flocks. Yeah, right? exactly. Why you? Right. Yeah, when you operate in that archaic, you know, level of consciousness, you're doing things quite frantically. Mm. And there's a lot of waste there, especially collectively as a whole, right? Mm. Even individually. Sometimes we change our mind moment for moment and we sort of destroy what we just done. And that happens. You observe even in employees today. So when people get frantic, right, mm. get into this kind of a, a survival mode, they start making more mistakes, not less. So the way you help, whether it's yourself or others, you know, your team, your organization, get out of that is by establishing proper authority. What the authority do is it enforces accountability. You see, that accountability delivers order of magnitude better results, as we all know. Otherwise, if you are a business owner, you have no business to be a business owner. <laughs> okay, so the reason you can become a business owner is because you have the potential to create that much more value by providing organization to an otherwise archaic situation. So if you're a business owner, you should be proud, but you should also know why you exist. It's not because of your big ego. It's because you provide this social and really natural service to the human race. That's how we evolve next to our next ecosystem or whatever you call it, you know, I call the traditional consciousness. And humanity, yeah, humanity spent tens of thousands of years in the first archaic then spend thousands of years in this traditional consciousness. And don't think we are over that, mm -hmm. not at all. We're still living this. If you are in any kind of organizational setting, if you're a business owner, the chances are you're using the second level to organize your business so that you can deliver the value that justify your existence. If you're not doing this, you have no business to be a business owner, like I said. So I think today there's a, a lot of perceptions and, and talk about against authority, right? Against hierarchy, against any kind of uh, 
<laughs> basically, you know, nobody can tell me what to do. Otherwise, you are intruding on my freedom. I think that's misguided. We need to understand where we came from, why our ancestors did what they did. And instead of just feel resentment, we really needed to understand the context that this came from. And especially, we're not out of it, not by a long shot. So when we start throwing our weight against authority blindly, what do we do? We throw ourselves, our organizations, and our country back to the archaic stage of life. You see, for some reason, our US government never learned this. We keep invading third world countries and throughout barbaric dictators mm -hmm. and hope some enlightenment would happen. That's just ignorant. Mm -hmm. The enlightenment is they come back to the traditional thought form eventually. Um, yeah, you could, what you do there is chaos because yeah. nobody can grow. The next stage of you know consciousness will will, will go to very soon, right? Mm. Overnight. Yeah, that's you... just inhuman. That's inhuman to expect anyone to be able to accomplish that. Right. Yeah. If you but blow up their we, power plants, if you yeah. blow up their power plants and you blow up their water treatment plants, <laughs> you're back to bare survival, right? Yeah. You got a guy yeah. living in a cave again, trying to uh, do all the work, gather <clears throat> the wood to burn the fire, feed yeah. himself, right? Yeah. And and that's very difficult. Uh, contrast with a modern society in this traditional uh, consciousness order here, I guess, where you've got central heating. Uh, yeah. powered by by um, municipal or state power plants. And we're used to that. We just take that for granted. And in order exactly. to do that, we must submit to the authority of the state, right? Yeah. Which says, we're gonna collectively operate uh, this, this particular power source and you're gonna enjoy the security of having a nice apartment building to come home to that is heated. Um, whenever I get too <laughs> big for my britches, I, I remember this example of one of the kings of France and I think it was like in the 1800s, late 1700s, maybe right, right before the revolution or maybe after when there was a restoration for a bit, I think. Like, he, he had um, one of the Louis. He had a glass of wine in his garden freeze on him. And here he is, the king of one of the most powerful nations in the world. And he can't control the temperature of one item near him, right? And that's a thing that we have full control over today. We could just go inside. Right, yeah. and they didn't yeah. have that option. And, and that kind of thing, right, only come from further cultural mm -hmm. development, right? That's mm -hmm. the fruit of next stage of cultural mm -hmm. development. You cannot put, I call it, cart in front of the horse, right? Mm. Right. Yeah. So this is saying, if a, if a country has not reached that level of cultural development, you simply cannot destroy what they have now and demanding they do better. Mm -hmm. That is inhumane. 
and and you know I see this out of love for this country because I benefit from this, right? So I truly appreciate the the quality of life this country has, and I want to I want my children to have this, right? I want all of my you know fellow human beings to have this, but we cannot achieve this by doing things like, you know, a bull in a China shop, right? Going there and just take out things that people have spent thousands of years building and, and, and without a pathway for a better alternative. And that's essentially what US government have done recently, right? Repeatedly in Middle East and, and you know, Afghanistan, all those places. That's essentially what they have done. It's right. tremendously harmful to the, 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 the native population and very expensive. Mm. And, you know, not to mention loss of lives for the Americans. So why do we do that? Ignorance. Uh, if a US president and all the wise men, you know, <laughs> you know, you know Congress Senate can do that, Imagine what happens, right, uh, at the lower echelons. So, once again, it is human to make mistakes, but I believe it's also human that we learn from our mistakes. That's why we're doing this. Let's learn from our mistakes and let's try to do better. All right. So we talked about. Water, right? Central heating also. Where does those come from? It actually does not come from traditional consciousness. It may have, you know, now more organized way of approaching life, right? By establishing authority, all those things. It has a plan, right, for next year's harvest and all that. You know, agriculture came right. out of that. But all the modern comfort it came from the next level of consciousness. So after security, what do people want? Mm, I was going to say to express themselves. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so okay. after you no longer worry about your food the next month, even you know, for the rest of your life, what do you want? You want to be your own man or your own woman, mm -hmm. right? So this is just as natural as water. We wanted to have a more say about our own lives, right? This is the way I like it. Rare, medium, or well done. That's autonomy. But not even the kings and queens who are living in traditional consciousness can afford this alternative. Believe me, if you read the history, don't think that, yeah, there are bad kings, bad queens, they do things at their whim, but they wouldn't last long, believe me. <laughs> the nobles and others will kill them. So very <laughs> few people, very few people in that traditional consciousness or mental model, whatever we call it, actually tasted autonomy. 
full autonomy. So in a way, as you were saying just minutes ago, we're enjoying a lifestyle that's way better than the king and the queens just a few hundred years ago. It, it sounds unbelievable, but it's true. And how do we achieve that? We achieve that through knowledge. In more ways than we could count. Okay. So once again, that of autonomy knowledge combo, what it produces is efficiency, right? So even today, right, you go into organization, Jason, you get hired as a consultant going into organizations. What do you say? A lot of times it's this traditional level of consciousness. People are just doing things because they that's what they were told when they first started. They never stop to think, mm -hmm. oh, is this the best way? Has something changed you know, in the environment that I should adapt ourselves so that we can do things in a better way? I'm sure you will find out. That's why you, know, you can make a living as a consultant. If, if people all recognize this instantaneous and adjust themselves, there's no need for you to change. Mm -hmm. There's Not no at that level. Result. No, I'll go to That's the right. effective level. Okay. <laughs> so the next level of consciousness that enabled human beings to live a lifestyle with more autonomy, right, is enabled by knowledge. Just like Jason can go to company today and enable that company to operate more efficiently, right? That create a value, you know? So Jason, just don't just charge money for nothing, okay? You can improve your productivity by order of a magnitude, you know, we talked about, right? The traditional consciousness already lifted human productivity by order of a magnitude. And by the time you move into what I call the modern, right? A modern consciousness is really driven by knowledge. It can lift the productivity to another order of magnitude through efficiency. And it does this, remember, uh, look at this, right? Love is always goes up. That means we expand our love, right? At the beginning, we just try to survive then we want more, we want security. Then after security, we want more, we want autonomy. It expands. But the power actually works through subordination, right? We need to subordinate our instinct. Ah, oh, this feels good, I want to do this. To authority because you know what? A lot of people have made similar mistakes through instinct. That's why this authority has been established. Their job is exactly try to constrain the instinct so that we can do something wiser. So power works through subordination. And this authority is no 
permanent angel either. We all know that. So in the modern era, right? What is the miracle here? We learned how to subordinate authority to our best knowledge, scientific knowledge. If you compare quote, quote, developed nations to the developing nations existing today, what's the difference? Right? There's no less authority in developing nations, I tell you. There's only bigger. But they don't prosper. Why? Because that authority was not enlightened. It was not informed by our best knowledge. And that happens even United States today. The companies that get ahead don't just have authority, but they have enlightened authority. They know their authority is limited. They needed to open to better knowledge, education, right? Expert advice. That's how you can build a good company in this modern economy. And you think that doesn't have power? It beat the hell out of this traditional type of uh, consciousness, whether it's in an individual, in a team, in a company, doesn't matter. It always works. Right. Yeah. I imagine it gives you greater predictive power, knowing what's going to happen. Um, you could prepare better. So you're more nimble and can act faster than the authority driven organizations and and the resources will go to the best spot yes application faster yes this is off the top of my head (laughs) so so, so this is why i call this ecology right it's an entire Mm -hmm. ecosystem Mm -hmm. it trickles down this is what are we talking about there is really the most central organizing principles here power and the law and it has cascading effect. Now, we just mentioned, right? All the symptoms, signs point that this modern consciousness became, is aging, is becoming sort of inadequate to deal with the challenges, life challenges, life conditions that we are living with. So I also said, this is nature's way telling us, you know, kiddo, you need to move on. So what's the next love and power we desire and we need? I think it's mutuality Hmm. and collaboration. And this is already happening in the best companies and in the best, you know, relationship that, that I have personally observed and 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 i i think this is very exciting i think i mentioned this to you maybe in our first session this is the thing that's going to change the face of planet earth in the next century i think we will see another order of magnitude increase in productivity in the quality of life that we experience well Maybe not me or, or even you, you're much younger, <laughs> yeah. but our children will, right? So, and, and, and this is not a sort of 
you know, sort of a sharp cutoff, right? So we will experience this throughout our lifetime. And I have experienced already, right? I, I mean, I, I have benefited from this. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't be doing this research and, 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 and development myself because it, first of all, it benefited me. So, um, so what, what do we mean by mutuality, right? So um, since I'm a physicist, right, I use a, a very analogous thing in physics called the principle of relativity. I don't know if you've heard this in your high school physics, right? But I found very few people actually understood what they mean. Hmm. What does the principle of relativity mean? It means, you know, a lot of people interpret it as negative, say, oh, everything is relative now, you know, nothing means anything now. So uh, that simply means. That's not at all what it means. What principle of relativity said is that whatever natural law you discover, right, it's got to work in different frame of references, meaning it's got to work the same way for Jason or Yan, a woman or a man, you know, someone in China or someone in Africa, the same way as it works here, people living in the United States. That's all the principle relatively means. It basically put a demand on the character of the, the law saying it can't be artificial. It can't be saying, well, I see this law because I like it. Okay, it need to work both ways fully equally. And, and this mutuality is the same thing, right? It doesn't mean that everybody is the same. That's not what we're saying. But the law that the dictator love got to be equally applicable to all human beings. It cannot be saying, well, I like it this way because it's me, <laughs> right? But that's not science. That's not natural law. So mutuality simply means that we believe, like Thomas Jefferson said in the, you know, we believe we were born equal, right? Not in the literal sense that, you know, a baby is the same as adults, you know, not that. But we have all have the potential to, you know, like I said, you know, love is something we constantly expand, right? We have all the potential to expand our love. That's what mutuality means. And we can do this in a mutually equitable way. And that love is compatible with the new form of a power, right? Which is called a collaboration. You know, I think I mentioned this in previous sessions. If you go to the best company today, what is their bottleneck of creativity and productivity? It's getting their smart people working together. Simply because our economy, our science, our social dynamic has got so complex that no one person can know it all. So we rely on 
very, very deep specialists in different fields to create something new and better for ourselves. And that requires collaboration. And without a deep-seated belief in mutuality, in our shared potential and prosperity, you simply cannot enable that collaboration authentically. And that is becoming the cutting edge, I call it, right? Cultural development. Any company who can make more advance on this will naturally stand out. You will attract better talents because people are happier that way. And your talents will work better. And you have more breakthrough product and services. That's happening. I'm, I'm not just, you know, <laughs> talking about here. That's happening. So that has impact, right? Not only efficiency, it actually become more effective, right? We mentioned at the beginning, 80% of the challenge of solving problem is to define the problem properly. And that's what effective means. It is all the all magnitudes more meaningful, impactful than just looking at the efficiency, right? We had some conversation with with, with, with Joseph Paris, you know, all those things, operational excellence guys, right? Because of historical reasons, right? Operational excellence still anchors at the modern level of consciousness, now say, you know, for the most part. They're looking at the efficiency. But if you want the true transformation and transformational impact, you have to get the root cause of that inefficiency, which require you ask a deeper level of questions that goes to the mental model. If you have make progress there, you don't just improve efficiency, you transform it, you become more effective. So that's the next arrow, I call it. It's already happening. But I expect this will continue and become a dominant cultural paradigm in the next, I don't know, few decades, 100 years. That's going to. Go ahead. That's going to be fundamentally transform the quality of life uh, for human beings on planet Earth. Okay, and we're labeling this the postmodern order of yes. consciousness. Yes. So I, I'd like to point out to our readers, viewers, listeners, uh, the shift or the pendulum swing back and forth between individual, collective, individual, collective, right? Uh, it seems we're on a swing back towards uh, the group as... Uh, well, not, not that way. Uh, this this okay. is applicable equally to individual and groups. There's no distinction here. And this is where I defer from spiral dynamics. I think okay. you got that concept from spiral dynamics. I think that's actually a 
a false narrative. Hmm. Okay. There's a there's, there's a book called Pendulum as well, um, yeah. which, which talks about this sort of thing. Yeah. There's nothing here on this slides that that is not applicable to both individual and groups. Hmm. It applies equally. I mean, I get I get a lot more out of being a collaborative expert, let's say, uh, than I do about being a siloized knowledge hoarder uh, whose security is based on what he knows, right? And is brought out to help with projects and comes in with a giant ego or something, right? Uh, much better to to pop By in there. Collaboration, yeah. I don't mean it's between two people. Mm -hmm. I mean the mindset, right? Mm. That's why we, we're talking about the mental model mm -hmm. and consciousness here. This mental model consciousness can be in one person, in two people, in whole group, right? In whole organization. So that's why I mean, we abstract this to the mm -hmm. level of, of scientific understanding, which is simply not limited to individual groups, right? That boundary became meaningless. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, hmm. you, first of all, you have to have this collaborative mindset, right? Mm -hmm. You know, to be collaborate. Once you have this mindset, collaboration automatically happens. So you could collaborate with a squirrel outside, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Somehow. You will you will make most of uh, yeah. of the squirrel, right? Hmm. <laughs> okay. So yeah, this is what you're presenting is a slightly different um, take on on what I've seen before. Um, so I am interested in digging in deeper to find out more about this perspective. Um, so what do so the first thing I thought when this popped up, the collaboration thing was cross-functional work teams, right? Which is an old concept, but maybe that's just modern knowledge level thinking, right? Um, so what does a, a people working in an organization, what does that look like as collaboration? Do they, there's no formal groups or anything and they just pop up and work together when it's needed and then go away and go back to being individuals when it's not? Yeah, so in the previous session, uh, we talked about this mutual learning mental mm -hmm. model, right? That's actually what it is. Mm -hmm. So you need to recognize your current mental model, which is unilateral control, which is very, very dominant mm -hmm. at the modern level, has limitations. Right. So now you need to consciously shift your mental models and, and that's not the easy thing as we explained in previous steps, mm -hmm. right? It takes months, years of work to do. So the question is, is it worth it, right? <laughs> so that's why our love matters. If you love it, it mm -hmm. matters. If you don't, it doesn't matter. So pick your choice, right? So at, at overall of this, you know, I have one more thing to show you, right? Okay. The reason that we have observed this pattern over thousands, millennium, right? Playing out is because there is 
something we observe in nature that there's a certain direction of evolution going on. So once again, this is not that, oh, I don't like it. I, you know, I don't want it to do it. I mean, we have no choice. This is natural selection, really. And, and you know, another thing people will often get tripped is that, oh, this happened a long time ago, right? No, it didn't. It's happening every second now. So I try to, you know, walk into some examples as we walk through this so that people understand this is real. This is happening every second of your life. Okay. So let's move on. So since we're talking about operational excellence, so I just provide this slide, right? So it's really already contained in the previous one, but yeah. but I want to I want to I want to I want to do this uh, so that we can um, uh, have a sort of a uh, almost like a walkthrough, right? So the way you asked Jason earlier, right? How do you do this day to day? You do this by recognizing symptoms of dysfunction, I call it, right? So remember that the mammal's whole spring image, right? What are you dealing with day to day? Mostly are those artifacts that happened long time ago. That's actually in the way of, for you to get ahead, for people to enjoy a better quality of life. So this is why, you know, some people get, or, allergic look at the dysfunction what you're labeling me as dysfunctional you know my team is dysfunctional you know let's face it it's just like mammoth house sprains what you see at the surface yeah it's mostly dysfunctional and and we the sooner we recognize that the sooner would be better in a position to actually deal with it right so i just listed the level of dysfunctionality, right? Based on our ecology or power and love. So the first level, I mean, we have employees or phenomena that just, you know, don't know what they're doing, just commit random errors. I think you even had a guest in the previous, uh, you know, guest who are actually making money by Developing SOPs, right? Mm -hmm. For mm -hmm. websites, you know, for people who reselling things, you know, digitally, like uh, try to be a mini Amazon, mm -hmm. but have no idea how to do it. So he sell those operating procedures to them so they can do them actually more consistently. What is it? It's really try to help those resellers go from archaic to traditional, right? Mm -hmm doing things by the book. Don't just do at your whim, right? Whatever you, you feel like it. You will not make money that way. So, you know, so that's, you know, it sounds trivial, but that's how those mental models or, or consciousness actually playing out in real life. And Going to the next level, this is probably where most of your work resides, right? So if you go into any organization, 
the operating procedures, right? There are processes, you know, the way they work typically is quite out of date. They haven't looked at this for mm-hmm. years. And things have changed and the people in it don't recognize the change. That's why it's a good practice to have a consultant come in and do it on it. See what's going on, where things can be improved, right? So what does a consultant provide? Expertise, knowledge. That's the driver. That's the power of the modern consciousness. So what do you actually help your clients to do is to evolve their consciousness from traditional to modern. That's what you do. That's major benefit to it. And you can measure it. And this last is just emerging, right? So I would be surprised that you're not yet getting a lot of work, you know, at this level yet, because simply because this is just emerging. Yeah. Right. So this is when there are services already, right? So organizations just struggling because turf issues, infighting, right? And they go around and around, do a lot of analysis, but then just mm-hmm. discard those analysis. All specialists, all develop outside the egos. They think they are the greatest expert. Yeah. Nobody's going to tell me, you know, what to do or, or there's a better ideas. Mm-hmm. So that requires fundamentally a different type of management method and scale that needed to help people connect at a deeper level, right? So that they can recognize what mental models they are operating on and, and inspire the name since you, you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. This is about the second tier. This is second tier. This is where second tier thinking kicks in. So, uh, well, okay. So I've, I've gone with colors. So is this getting into green? No, this is getting yellow. Yellow. Okay. Okay. So, oh, oh, that now I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yellow and turquoise big second tier. Okay. By the way, I think green is a fake, fake thing. That's another thing I disagree, I disagree huh. with, uh, with spiral dynamic. Huh. Um, okay. So this is where, you know, you can take your business to another level. What, once again, right? If your business is still at the arcade level, don't try this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, second tier thing, right? So um, postmodern thing, it, it's not appropriate. Okay, so so this is what I'm saying. This is not about a one size fit all. Assess your situation, right? Whether yourself, your business, your organization, and there's always an opportunity. That is for sure. But what opportunity is require, you know, some diagnosis. Now, Yan, I look for, I just talked to my senior business development guy for two hours before we got on. And one of the things I was showing him to look for was uh, signs of these um, territorial fights in, 
in the initial meetings, right? Where we get yeah. the group of, of company leaders into the room. Uh, and my reason for doing so is for filtering, for qualifying, right? Because I, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, I don't believe I can do anything with the, the modern level stuff <laughs> if the postmodern level things are out of whack. Like if the, if the managers or the C-level suite is infighting, how the heck can I do a process analysis? They're not gonna let me work on that, well, I think. I think you will always find a pocket where you can work on it. Because that's how progress is made. Once again, if you if you if your condition is that that next level of consciousness is already there in order for me to work on the lower mm. one, mm. you'll be waiting forever. Mm. Yeah, that's simply okay. not how how you know evolution takes place. Mm. That's and, and, and you know I think that's where people put cart in front of the horse. Yeah. Mm. You know, all of us are agents of change. We are creators. So we're not just, we don't just benefit from something that's already been created. So um, yeah, it will be easier if you got the CEO, you know, so-called philosopher kings, but that happens rarely. Okay. And if you wait for that, in order to run your business or, you know, or enjoy your life, you'll be waiting for a long time. <laughs> so this is what I'm saying. All this stuff I'm talking about, yeah, this is also already within us. Every single individual human being has the potential to do this. So they don't have to wait for high authority. Yes, indeed. You need to be prepared to deal with what if the higher authority at the lower level of consciousness. You need to be prepared to deal with it. Mm. But you should not treat that as a condition of start leaving. Like I said, you'll be waiting for a long time. Okay. And I doubt how much value you actually added mm. if you do that. Okay, um, I'm checking time. So yeah, we need a we need to wrap up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I actually will skip this, right? If you look back at the slides we introduced at the step one, right? So I forgot this step one or step two. We introduced this, right? I think now you can have a better context interpretation why things are happening this way, right? Okay, so the reason a lot of people become a populist is because that's the easiest way. That's what we're bound with, right? At that archaic level of consciousness. We just want my mother to feed me milk. <laughs> Give me milk now. Okay, so then the reason that it became very, very challenging in the other direction is because most of our organizations still run in that traditional consciousness, right? It makes you work. It does not listen to you, okay? So don't just complain about it, recognize this, and you can do something about it to improve your situation. Don't wait for your CEO to change it. 
you can change it yourself. And that's the essence of empowerment. So what I showed you here is some basic tools that you can walk along that ultimate development path. Yes, no matter how tough the environment is, you can do it. There is, you know, if I use a language, not, not entirely appropriate, God has given you that gift. You just need to find it. Oh, some key takeaways, right? This is sort of a summarize of what we have gone through, you know, all this uh, four, four sessions, right? So, um, sorry, I have no place to move this picture now. Um, oh, yeah. It's out of the way. Yeah. Okay. So, for the viewers. So, um, the first thing I want to say is, you know, cultural development is a fundamental human right and responsibility. Right. So nobody can take away from you and you can't opt that out yourself because we, we have a life to live. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it takes place through real life experiences, right? Especially in resolving those life and death problems for you. It's called optimal conflict. And what I showed you is the tip of the iceberg. There are proven scientific methods and tools that can help you and help your team, help your organization, help your family, help your relationship. So I encourage you to give it a try, right? So we also show you four distinctive and successful mental models, right? In that ecology of power and love that really, really explains a lot of things that's going on in contemporary cultural development, you know, including a lot of dysfunctionality. And I have distilled this down to two things, right? Power and love, how they drive those mental model formation and evolution, uh, both historically and biologically. So don't think that's just something happening in the far ancient past. It's happening now to you and to your loved ones. And finally, since we talked about in the context of operational excellence, there's tremendous opportunity for business organizations to align their job design, right? Talent development with those observed patterns of power and love that will not only boost your isn't performed by all the magnitude, it will also make your employees happier. That's a win-win. And if you, think that, if you think this is too hard, what are you doing today? It's a status quo. It's much bad, much, much harder. <laughs> it's, it's causing <laughs> so much pain and, and damage to everybody and drain so much productivity for you, you really don't have a choice. All right. All right. So uh, I actually have to leave myself. So mm -hmm. I hope uh, <laughs> this is a, a very quick walkthrough. And uh, like I said, if there's interest, we can have another Q&A session, right? We can 
sort of digest a little bit of this material and, 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 and you know, take, take some questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, please uh, either message me on LinkedIn or message Dr. Song here. Uh, he can forward those to me as well. Uh, or email me at jason at coldstartech.com and, and let us know what your questions are and if you're available to me to be on a, a live Zoom uh, recording like this. Well, the only question is if yeah. you are interested, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can always find time for what you're interested. Right. And uh, um, I just find that, you know, this is so, so much about mm. life and death. And, and I think people should be interested. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I appreciate you doing this very much. Uh, yeah. There's, it's opened up a number of new levels for me, and uh, it, I'm not getting it anywhere else. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't see anybody else working on this kind of thing, so uh, yeah. it's it's extremely valuable. Thanks again for doing this. Thank you, Jason. Okay, this has been marvelous uh, experience. Thanks for tuning in. If you're interested in working with us at Cold Star Tech, here are some of the things that we can help with. There's a lot of people who talk about process, documentation control, attention to detail, all this stuff. We help organizations become true learning organizations. Remember, if something isn't written down or recorded in some way that's accessible, searchable, findable, it didn't happen. It might as well not have happened. So if you have two people who solve a problem, a serious problem in your organization, but they do so in isolation and nobody finds out about it, which happens all the time, then it didn't really happen and nobody else can access that wisdom. So we unlock wisdom for your organization. We do a lot of things in the space industry. We have access to regulatory and legal officials who can help you if you're a space industry founder find out what areas of regulation and compliance uh, do you need to be you know, working with, compliant with. And we find a lot of folks don't even know about some of these areas. They don't even know that they exist. Can you imagine how you're gonna stumble and stub your toe and really screw up your organization's timetable if you don't know about these things? So come and talk to us. We've got great relationships with the right people, especially in the United States and in England. And uh, we'll be able to help you with that. And so when it comes to process improvement, whether that's some sort of business documentation, business development, rules wow have i seen some things in business development you got founders out there who all they're doing is quoting on projects this is a mistake you're wasting your energy bidding on things that most of which you never even had a chance of winning in the first place uh, i've seen people bankrupt themselves bidding on everything or bidding on only these uh, high-end things and not realizing that you need to have a strategy so that this bidding process pays for itself I mean, you got to learn how to screen here. And this is not something that they teach you in school. I, I had to learn it myself. So don't feel bad about it, but come talk to us about it, okay? Uh, so either it's on the business process side or the actual manufacturing of physical goods, that kind of process improvement. You can come talk to us. Can this be done faster, cheaper, better? And yes, most of the time <laughs> it sure can um, because people just do stuff and the first person to invent the way of doing things uh, is the person who gets to choose most of the time how things are done. This happens all over the place. I like to point out our um, traffic signals for, for automobiles are based on the way that they ran railway traffic 100 years before that, okay? So, and this is key in the space industry right now, which is new, right? This is an area that I personally am interested in. How we figure out how to do stuff today is going to impact generations because people are so 
easily locked into this is how we've always done it. And if you hear that at your organization, there's a warning bell. This is how we've always done it. You need to come talk to us at that point, okay? So reach out to us. It's easy to do. Just message me on LinkedIn or email me at jason at coldstartech.com. I want to hear from you. Thanks for listening.